Oh my goodness, it is such a privilege to be up here with you tonight. This is the first time that I've gotten to speak at a Sunday service, and who would have ever guessed? And so thank you, Pastor Chris and Pastor Hannah, for this opportunity, and um, I just am indebted to you for how you've invested in me, how you've raised me up. A lot of people probably don't know this, but the first time that Pastor Hannah asked me to teach sisterhood, it was four or five years ago, and she had no idea that the weekend before I was too timid and too shy to yell bingo when I won a family bingo, and I'm not even kidding. So thank you so much. I'm going to mortify my, our boys. They don't know this is coming, but I'm going to share a family picture with you. They're kind of under the radar type of people, so I will make it up to you later. Um, I'll work from left to right. Gavin is 14. He's going to be a freshman at Prior Lake High School next year. He's our tech guy. He's also a strategist, and he kind of sees the view from 10,000 feet, and he's not scared to tell us, and so he keeps us all in line at home. Jason, we have been married for 21 years in August. Come on. He is willing to do anything and everything for me. And you might recognize him from being in the Welcome Center, from serving on prayer team, or from being in the fours and fives, which is his favorite place to be. Next to me is Cole. He is, uh, he just finished his freshman year at the University of Minnesota. He's a computer science major. And um, he just makes us so proud. He is doing ministry with kids all summer. And when he's not doing ministry, he is on the phone or communicating somehow with his girlfriend. This is the first girlfriend that we've had in the Medine home. And it's true love. And so any moms who have been here, I am willing to take advice and sympathy. <laughs> and then we have Zach. And Zach's love on life is fishing. He's also an avid bowler, and he loves doing carpentry for a man in our church. And I do not know how God blessed me with this amazing family that I have, but I love them so much. It's been really an interesting week getting ready to teach tonight. That's because work was busy. Um, the kids are home from school with a lot going on. We had a holiday in there, I take a long time to prep for, a, for something like this. And then on top of it, we moved. <laughs> we moved on Friday, packed up all of our stuff into the moving truck on Friday, brought it to the new house, have been unpacking boxes since then. It has been crazy. And I should have known that the week was going to be like this. It started out Monday morning. I went to Sam's Club um, trying to keep the house stocked for all the boys that are home this summer. Keeping it stocked with food, that can be a challenge. But nowadays, we have a cheat, which is called um, power shakes, protein shakes. And so I was loading up on protein shakes, and I got a little bit irritated because my card wouldn't work at Sam's Club. And it said card failed or something like that. And I thought, well, if I needed to renew it, why didn't it just tell me so I don't have to go get somebody? So I find somebody to come and help me, and she's talking to somebody else, and I'm, I'm kind of a little bit annoyed because I'm in a hurry. And finally I get her attention, and she says, that's your Costco card. <laughs> and that's how my week has been ever since. She was so sweet, though. Instead of being annoyed in return with me or even being neutral as I walked away, she shook her head and said, 
That is so cute. <laughs> so thank you to people that teach me grace. And God has been working on that in me this year. I had a deacon speak a word of prophecy over me early or in the year, and she told me, you're going to go through a detour. And don't be scared. It's for your good, but there's going to be a detour. And she absolutely nailed it. And so God has been working on me in the areas of pride and humility, judgment and grace, and feelings, as silly as that sounds. But here's what I have to say. God is good all the time. Amen? Okay, with that, I'm going to open us in prayer. God, I thank you so much for the word that you've given me for tonight. I thank you that when we seek you, we find you. And I pray that the word that you've given me, this word on servanthood, that it wouldn't bring condemnation, but it would bring sweet conviction, that it would make us yearn for the things that you yearn for, and that it would be like a love song sung over us that we want to share with others. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are studying kingdom culture this year, and we're looking at the this summer, and we're looking at the difference between a believer and a disciple. And as a believer is somebody who has a working knowledge of the Bible, who maybe even feels close to God sometimes, but a disciple is someone who is so overwhelmed with the reality of God that their life centers around Jesus. And tonight, the feature of discipleship that we're looking at is servanthood. And we know that Jesus came to serve. And the Bible tells us that in Matthew 10, 45, it, said, it says, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And so if we're following Jesus, we too should come not to be served, but to serve. So when Pastor Chris called me and asked me to share tonight, he said that it would be a good topic for me because it resonates with me because of my servant heart. And I thought, I wonder why Pastor Chris would say that about me. That's really a big compliment. So the first thing that I thought of was the Loaves and Fishes Life Group that Jason and I have led together for about the last four years. It's where we prepare and serve a free meal to the community the fourth Thursday of every month. It is so much fun. It's two hours on a Thursday night, and the guests at Loaves and Fishes, they love it when they come because they say, even though the team changes every single month, you are always so filled with love and joy from, when you're from River Valley Church. So we love doing that, but it wasn't hard for me to give it up when God told us earlier this year that it was time for somebody new to step into that role, that we had to let somebody else lead that and it wasn't hard for me because I still get to go there a few times a month. There's another organization called Shakopee Community Assistance, and they work at there at the same time that Loaves and Fishes is there. And so what SCA does is they serve families in need from the ages of zero to five by providing free diapers, um, used clothing, and they have a food distribution. And I have the very best job there. I just get to go and talk to people. I get to meet the new people. I get to pray with people sometimes, but more than anything, I just get to love them, and I get to be their friends. And I don't remember how I started going there or why I started going, but I probably heard a message like tonight and decided it's really time to do something. So I started going there to serve, but what I found was it changed from serving to seeing Keith and Amy and Kelly, 
who run the organization, and now they feel like family to me. It changed from serving to the elderly ladies, to Dorothy, Ellie, and Muriel, who come just to get out of the house once a day to have a meal made for them. They usually play a round of cards, and if I can get them talking, the wisdom just flows. And sometimes it's pretty funny. One of my favorite nights was uh, Muriel told me that the best time to pray is every morning at 4 o'clock sitting on the pot. (laughs) And when I laughed like you did, she said, what? I'm serious. And that's how she starts every single day. And now when I see her, we still laugh about that. And she'll say, I did it this morning (laughs) for an hour. It's not serving. It's Nathaniel, who is too big for me to hold, but you can't tell him that, and still he still, he still comes and runs and jumps in my arms. Or it's Caitlin, who's five, and we share the same birthday, and she tells everyone that I'm her best friend. It's not serving. It's love. But as attached as I am to SCA, I haven't gotten there in the last month. With moving, with all the things that we've had going on, with things popping up in the kids' activities, I haven't made it to SCA. And I bet a lot of you here can relate to that. That our lives are just so busy that no matter our intentions, it's really difficult to make time to serve. And it's not that we wouldn't want to. Everybody really loves serving. But it comes down to how much time that we have. There's a couple of psychologists that wanted to study that. And so they took a group of what they thought were benevolent people, seminary students. And they were looking for why sometimes we stop to help and other times we don't stop. And they divided the students into two, two groups. They told them all, we need you to prepare a sermon on the Good, the Good Samaritan, which is a Bible story about helping strangers. When they reported to the research assistant, the hurried group was told, you better, make, you better be on your way, they're expecting you. The unhurried group, they were told, they're not expecting you for a little while, but why don't you just start going right away? On the way to the building, the students all, ex- all ran into a man who was slumped over, who obviously needed help. And here's what they found. Only 10% of the hurried group who are on their way to preach a teaching about the Good Samaritan, stop to help. But in the unhurried group, 63% stopped. Here's how they summarize that study. When pressed for time, people must choose between helping and meeting other goals. But when people are not hurried, they can pursue multiple goals in in order of importance. And furthermore, People with time to spare can broaden their attention and notice details about their environments. We have jobs that we're plugging 50 hours a week into. And we have homes and we have families and we have spouses and we have kids' activities and we have the cabin and we have golf and we have errands and fitness and hobbies and keeping up with social media. And then we come to church and we hear a message like this and we say, God, How in the world? I wanted to get to SCA last month. I really did. But that is a believer mindset. So let's read in the Bible 
about a disciple mindset. And we're going to start in Philippians 2, 1 through 4, where Paul is talking to the church in Philippi, and here's what he says. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. So what Paul is saying here is that if you've gotten anything out of walking with Jesus, then you worry about everyone else. Let them worry about you. And then in the end, all of our needs are met, just the same as we were one for ourselves. But if you think about the greater implication of that, if I'm all for me, here's what that breeds. Comparison, competition, judgment, disunity, and hierarchy. But if I'm looking out for you above myself, that breeds unity, compassion, humility, collaboration, faithfulness. And Paul isn't asking us to do anything that the Lord and Savior didn't do for us. We're going to look next at John 13, one of the most tender scenes in the Bible. And the disciples have just arrived for the Last Supper. They're waiting for a servant to come wash their feet. It was customary in those times that before they ate dinner, a servant would wash their feet because they were so dirty from traversing the roads. But they're starting to get a little bit uncomfortable. I relate it to being seated at a restaurant and nobody coming to give me some water. She looked right at me. She looked at me and she walked by. How long do we have to be here? This is supposed to be a nice restaurant. And I think that's how the disciples felt, like, where's the servant boy? But not one of them considered doing it themselves. And then, in a picture-perfect lesson of servanthood, Jesus, the guest of honor, takes off his robe, puts on a servant's apron, ties a towel around his waist, fills a basin with water, and begins washing their feet. I would imagine that the trickle of water was deafening at that point. Then Jesus says this, Do you understand what I've done to you? You address me as teacher and master, and rightly so. That is what I am. So if I, the teacher and master, washed your feet, you must now watch each other's feet. I've laid down a pattern for you. What I've done, you do. Whenever we read a Bible verse, we have to ask ourselves, what did that mean then, and what does it mean for today? Is Jesus really asking us to wash each other's feet? Back then, yes, he was. Today, No, we don't have to wash each other's feet. But here's what he was saying. 
That is, I am willing to stoop low, to lay down dignity and position. I expect you to do the same. Do what I do. I have a friend that recently did that. Do I have any alumni in the room from Global Team Los Angeles? All right. Do you remember Miss Mona? Did you meet Miss Mona if you were there? Miss Mona is a pastor, the care pastor at the church that's affiliated with um, the Dream Center that the Global, Global Team Los Angeles goes and visits. And she welcomes the team into a day of prayer and prays over them and talks to them for a little bit. And when I met Miss Mona, I said to myself, that is somebody that I want to know. She was to me and is to me the picture of meekness and meekness being sweet and gentle, but fully backed by the power and authority of spending a lot of time with Jesus. And so we did get to be friends and I went back the next year and I shadowed her for a day and we've been in contact and been to a conference together. And early on in our relationship, she told me, I came into ministry in the second half of my life and it is my greatest privilege that God would use me in this position that is so perfect for me. And she just adored her job. She stepped down in February when she got word that her mom, who lived in another state, had six months left on this earth. She gave up that servant position that she adored to serve in a higher and more important way with her mom, and she traded divine appointments that she could have in a church, on the street, in a ministry team. She traded the accolades and sometimes the glory that comes in a pastoral position to serve somebody who maybe otherwise wouldn't have had divine appointments. To me, that is a picture of laying down position and dignity to serve well. Back to Jesus in John 13. Shortly after he washes their feet, it is the apex of his teaching when he issues a command that he labels the new commandment. Here's what he says. Let me give you a new command. Love one another in the same way I loved you. You love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love that you have for each other. Now, if you're like me, you might think at first, this doesn't really sound like a new commandment. This kind of sounds like the second one that says to love your neighbor as yourself. But here's why it's new. When Jesus said it, he changed the standard from loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. Because who really loves themselves well? Does anybody have a great self-care regimen? He changed it from loving your neighbor as yourself to love them how I have loved you. He changed the standard of loving here as we love ourselves to loving as he loves us. To put your mind at ease, he knew that we would never be able to love like he loves us, but he set the goal high so that we would never stop trying to attain it, so that his love would never stop flowing through us as vessels of him, and so that we would have to return to him over and over again as our source and our supplier. So now, let's bring it all together. 
We started tonight talking about our busy lives, but we heard a disciple's perspective on servanthood, and that is, if we serve Jesus, loving and serving others has to be our priority. We must be willing to bend low to serve, and Jesus now is our gold standard of love. That leaves these busy, overscheduled lives of ours. I couldn't even get to SCA last month. How about you? Would an unbiased bystander look at your life and say, clearly, she makes serving and loving others a priority? Or, you can tell that she spent time with Jesus by the way that she's loved and served. If you're unsure about how those questions would be answered about you, then you have a decision to make. But first, let me give you some encouragement. And Pastor Rob touched on this last week. Serving and loving others doesn't have to be limited to going to SCA or serving on a life team here at church. We can serve as we go. God has given us gifts. He's given us passions. He's given us proximity to people that others will never have. He has us in places to serve and love as we go. It's like the seminary students on their way to give that teaching. They were just going about their normal business. A video was released just a couple days ago. It features one of our own here at River Valley. Take a look at this. I'm Doug Pugetton. I work in uh, housing, so I'm, my job title is a residential housing specialist, residential maintenance specialist, and I live in Bloomington, Minnesota. Um, if they see him, they say, there's Mr. Doug. They might know his truck. Um, they, yeah, they, they love him. Hearing just from him, because I know he tries to eat lunch with our children in preschool once a week, then I've heard him say he sometimes goes over to the um, dining center and will sit with someone that's not, um, doesn't have anyone to eat with. He might do that and he, yeah, where he takes his lunch. He's, he's purposeful in what he's doing. Last year I started sitting and having lunch with them once a week. This year I'm eating oftentimes twice a week with the, with the kids. They're eating in two different rooms so one, one day I eat in one room, the next time I'm in the other room. And so I spread myself out. Uh, it's really fun. Another joy I have is, is I don't use my full lunch time or break times. So I'll go in and read stories to the kids in the toddler room. Let them pick a book and I'll sit down and read it to them. I'm Doug. Isn't that the sweetest? Doug is here tonight. He's in the third row. Thank you, Doug, for letting us share that. That is such a, a picture of servanthood. So here is the decision that we have to make. How are we going to create margin? And I say it's a decision because I don't think that it's a heart change because after all, we were created in the image of Christ. He lives inside of us. We said earlier, we all like to serve. We were made to love and serve. It's in us. But the decision is, how can we create margin? It's such a simple question, 
but one that most of us are struggling with already. We want to expand time. We want to make time, redeem time, slow it down, speed it up. We're always in a battle, in a war with time. So as the band comes up, I'm going to issue you two challenges. The first is to consider what sucks your time. And we know the usual suspects, TV, internet, social media. What is it that is robbing you of who God created you to be? How about these? What about wasting time, traffic, or saying yes when you should say no? Consider what takes your time, commit to making one change this week, and then tell somebody about it for accountability, and then let's see what God does. And the second challenge that I want to issue is we have a great opportunity coming up this Saturday for Serve Day. And so you can give up three hours on Saturday morning and have the opportunity to serve in our community. You can sign up on your way out. And with that, I'm going to close us in prayer. God, I thank you so much that Jesus came as an example of living a servant life. And I pray that you would help transform us, transform us from believers to disciples. Help us to serve and love the way that you did. We thank you, God, that that capacity is built right inside of us. I pray that you would show us where we can create margin, where we can create holes that we're gonna, you're going to fill, God, with divine appointments, with ways that your love can flow out of us. And we look forward to that this week. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.